How are you doing out there? It is January 20th, 2022. Thursday, 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 and you are listening to Michigan Speak Out podcast on News Source One, Michigan. It has been one year to the day since President Biden took the oath of office and has carried us since then in the post Donald Trump era. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's go on to the news. News Nation This Hour, I'm Vic Vaughn. Today marks one year in office for the Biden administration. Vice President Kamala Harris sat down for a one-on-one virtual interview with News Nation's Rashad Hudson. How impactful has the Biden-Harris administration been in the lives of the American people? Through our child tax credit, um, by many accounts, reduced child poverty last year by almost 50%. Harris says the economy is better, more people are working, and she celebrated the bipartisan infrastructure bill that's now law. Which is going to create jobs. And she says the country is in a stronger position to fight the pandemic. Now over 210 million Americans have been vaccinated. Tens of millions of Americans have received the booster. The vice president talked about the economy and why she believes Americans should have confidence in the administration's response to the pandemic. Why Watch it on demand at our website or the app. White House Chief Medical Advisor Dr. Anthony Fauci thinks the FDA could approve Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine for kids under five as soon as next month. He thinks they'll likely need three doses. New Mexico Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham is asking National Guard troops to help schools stay open during the pandemic by acting as substitute teachers. News Nation's Aaron Nolan. The state's public education department will work to speed up background checks and waive application fees for substitute teacher training until the end of March. Now, the goal is to encourage at least 500 government employees to join and teach. To establish a healthy number of individuals who meet the criteria and are available to be in the classroom with students for all grade levels. Under the program, each individual school will decide whether or not troops will wear their uniform in the classrooms. The governor of Oklahoma is asking National Guard troops there to help in a similar way, but as school bus drivers. A threat against Against a school in Barry County, Michigan today led to the cancellation of all classes. Officials at Thornapple High School in Middleville, southwest of Grand Rapids, say they didn't learn of the threat until 6.45 this morning. Students who'd already arrived on campus were sent home by bus. The number of Americans who applied for new unemployment benefits last week was 55,000 higher than the previous week, up to 286,000, highest since mid-October. Analysts say that the surge in COVID cases from the Omicron variant has set back what had been a strong comeback. The four-week average of claims, which irons out weekly volatility, rose by 20,000 to 231,000, which is the highest level since late November. I'm Jackie. Quinn. Find News Nation on your cable or satellite provider and stay up to date around the clock at NewsNationNow.com and the News Nation Now app. I'm Vic Vaughn. From Feature Story News in Washington, I'm Simon Marks. President Biden has revised comments that he made during a White House press conference last night in which he suggested that a low-level Russian incursion into Ukrainian territory might not lead to punishing Western sanctions. Amid fury from Ukraine, the president now says any piercing of the country's frontier will lead to a response. I've been absolutely clear with President Putin, if any any assembled Russian units move across the Ukrainian border, that is an invasion. 
U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is also taking steps to clean up the president's comments. He vowed a swift and severe response to any Russian invasion after talks with European officials in Berlin. Russia justifies its actions by claiming that Ukraine somehow poses a threat to its security. This turns reality on its head. Ukraine isn't the aggressor here. Ukraine is just trying to survive. Tomorrow, Mr. Blinken will meet Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov for crisis talks in Geneva with the latest from FSN's Moscow bureau, Julia Chapman. Certainly there have been a number of parties uh, issuing warnings to Russia. Uh, the Kremlin today has said that comments like that uh, certainly don't help de-escalate the situation, diffuse the tensions. Uh, the Kremlin spokesperson, Dmitry Peskov, said that, uh, in fact, if anything, they lead to a destabilizing of the situation. Hundreds of thousands of employees in Britain are being told to return to the office after the government ended work-from-home guidelines in England that were introduced due to the Omicron variant of COVID-19. From FSN's London bureau, Giles Gibson with that story. HSBC, Citigroup and Goldman Sachs are just a few of the financial firms telling their employees it's time to come back to the office. Network Rail, which manages train infrastructure in the UK, says the number of passengers in stations on Thursday morning was up 10% compared to the same period last week. However, some public health experts are concerned that restrictions brought in to manage the Omicron surge are being lifted too soon. The CIA says it is unlikely Russia or any other foreign power is responsible for so-called Havana syndrome, a mystery illness affecting U.S. embassy staff. More than a thousand cases have been investigated. The CIA says most have environmental or medical origins. Former Pope Benedict is being accused of failing to act over child abuse allegations when he was Archbishop of Munich in the late 1970s. The claims are made in a report by a German law firm that was commissioned by the Catholic Church. And a teenage Belgian-British pilot has become the youngest woman to fly solo around the world. Zara Rutherford, who's just 19, set off from Western Belgium in August last year and completed her challenge, landing back in Flanders today. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks, looking again today in more depth at the tensions over Ukraine. One of Russia's demands is that NATO must stop expanding eastwards and absolutely must bar Ukraine permanently from membership of the Western Alliance. The Biden administration calls that request a non-starter. Yet there is no immediate prospect of Ukraine joining NATO, says Matt Fry, presenter and Europe editor of Britain's Channel 4 News, who has been reporting from Kiev. In 2008, there was an indication that both Georgia and Ukraine, former Soviet republics, wanted to join NATO. The Russians then invaded Georgia, and that basically meant that Georgia's application for NATO was put on permanent hold. The same thing with Ukraine. However, NATO can't say that because NATO has an open-door policy. But NATO certainly doesn't want to include a member that is currently under occupation or in the middle of a fight with Russia, because that would mean that automatically the whole of NATO, all 31 members, would have to, to get involved and pile in with their own troops. They don't want that to happen. So there's a dirty little secret in this, which is that even though Ukraine wants to join NATO, NATO is not about to make Ukraine a member. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said on Wednesday he will not furnish the Russian foreign minister with written answers, as the Kremlin has demanded, to Russia's concerns when the two men meet in Geneva tomorrow. 
The main news again, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is vowing a swift and severe response to any Russian invasion of Ukraine. Hundreds of thousands of employees in the U.K. are being told to return to the office after the government ended work-from-home guidelines introduced in England due to the Omicron variant of COVID-19. And former Pope Benedict is being accused of failing to act over child abuse allegations when he was Archbishop of Munich in the late 1970s. And that is the latest Feature Story News. Simon Marks reporting. Good afternoon. Welcome back. Keith Thews here at the helm on this one year to the day since President Biden became the 46th president of the United States. Wow, it is a cold one out there. Good grief. The lake effect snow machine is... Shut off. That happened earlier this morning. But boy, it is going to be cold. So bundle up. But temperatures and wind chills are going to be down there in the single digits. Well, I guess I would take what we have here instead of what's happening over in the Carolinas because they are being hit with a humdinger of an ice storm. And we know what those are like. We had a small ice storm that really snarled things up. At the beginning of 2021, and then everybody, if you're old enough, can remember the big ice storm here, um, end of January of 2002, I believe it was, was the big uh, ice storm of the end of January, beginning of February. But at least we're not getting hit by that cold like we did uh, a year before the pandemic. That was something else but uh, anyway i want to thank all of you for listening to the podcasts uh we got some more interest out there and i'm talking to um some other folks to see if there's any interest in doing a podcast and so far we have uh, one individual of the three that has written back and so i am going to be uh getting some Uh, the passwords and the logins and everything to get into the Anchor Podcast channel so he can start working on a brand new show for News Source 1 Michiana and we'll get that information out to you as soon as possible. Also, for those of you uh, who have regular over-the-air antennas uh, and like receiving local TV, Channel 16 will be adding a fourth channel yes 16.4 breaking news there for you all uh which will have a network called the grio g-r-i-o it is a african-american news social discussion and entertainment channel Um, it will begin in february no official date to be set and it's called the grio g-r-i-o on channel 16-4 or 16.4 WNDU. So more and more of these little sub-channels are being added to the, uh, the digital TV network landscape. So that's something really neat. I don't have any new updates on the Russia situation other than Anthony Blinken will be talking to the Russians tomorrow to see about putting in uh, some sort of civil end to this major international tension crisis. 
But uh, according to President Biden, invasion is most likely expected, and that's pretty sad. And it's very risky, and uh, so we encourage all of you to please continue to monitor our Facebook, and uh, we'll fill you in on the latest uh, one way or another as soon as we find out. We are your source for news, News Source 1, Michiana. When I come back, the discussion on one year of a new president. some energy assistance happening real services for the counties of Elkhart, Fulton, Kosciuszko, Marshall, and St. Joseph, Indiana counties. Real services has begun their energy assistance that started November 1st. Households must be within 60% of state median income. To request an application, you can call 574-232-6501 or 800-225-3367. The assistance is based on the previous three months of income. You will need social security cards, copy of IDs, proof of income for all household members 18 and older, recent copies of electric and heating bills, or and a landlord affidavit or a copy of a signed lease that's less than 24 months old. More information can be found at realservices.org. Take care and have a wonderful day. I may never have met you. We don't go way back. Maybe we wouldn't even be friends if we did. But when you wear a mask, you have my respect. Because your mask doesn't protect you. It protects me. I wear my mask to protect you. Mask up, America. Brought to you by the Ad Council. When times get dark, we can't see the help that's all around us. Maybe you're not sure how you'll make rent, or you lost your job. When you don't know where to turn, let 211 be your guiding light. Our guides are ready to connect you with the help you need. 211, how can I help you? Call or visit 211.org. 211, get connected, get help. A message from United Way and the Ad Council. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that our daughters have what they need to grow and learn. But that isn't the case for nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. that struggle with hunger. Childhood hunger is a heartbreaking reality that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and provides it to families and children in need. You can help kids in need in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. This is the moment. Ladies and gentlemen, please stand for the oath of office, followed by musical honors.
please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Joseph Robinette Biden, Jr., do solemnly swear. I, Joseph Robinette Biden, Jr., do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute. That I will faithfully execute. The office of President of the United States. Office of President of the United States. And will, to the best of my ability. Will, to the best of my ability. Preserve, protect, and defend. Preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. So help you, God. So help me, God. Congratulations, Mr. Thank President. Chief played for Joe Biden. Joseph Robinette Biden will be the 46th President of the United States. He was congratulated as Mr. President. He will officially become President in about nine minutes, nine and a half minutes at noon, as he's giving the address. So Dr. Jill Biden overcome with emotion in that moment. Who wouldn't be? David Muir, the quest of a lifetime for Joe Biden. George, this was the ultimate long game. He was elected to the Senate at 29, the youngest. He'll now be sworn in as the oldest president. He has waited and he has dreamed of this moment. Ladies and gentlemen, please so be many seated. Years. He has told me the president's job is to heal, that the country needs healing. And he told me the words of a president matter. Hi everyone, George Stephanopoulos here. Thanks for checking out the ABC News YouTube channel. If you'd like to get more videos, show highlights, and watch live event coverage, click on the right over here to subscribe to our channel. And don't forget to download the ABC News app for breaking news alerts. Thanks for watching. Yes, welcome folks to our main topic for the podcast this afternoon. President Biden at one year in office. Well, um, if you look back on President Biden, one year out of the four, what comes to mind? Some of you might think uh, certain speeches, State of the Union, January 6th speech. Some of you might think of him asking you to uh, wear your masks, get your shots. Others of you might think of unfinished business or business that was rushed, such as Afghanistan. Well, let's spend just a few minutes discussing this in, in length or more detail and uh, give you my commentary. And I'll give you Ron Varesh's commentary as he sent me a, a message on what he thought of President Biden at one year. Well, President Biden came into office at noon, got sworn in about 11.45 or so, January 20th, 2021, into a mess. President Trump had just a few days before done the worst thing or led the worst thing in, in American history outside of 9-11 and, and any war in which the Capitol was ransacked and the vote was trying to be overthrown by supporters and extremists and people who thought they were 
supporting and liking President Trump. So President Biden walked into a very secure Washington, D.C., one with coronavirus, so masks were needed, one in which many thousands have already died, so a memorial was needed, and having to walk in to try to put peace to the country and to move forward with an agenda that he thought that he could adhere to and wish to. Early on, President Biden did um, think that the coronavirus with the shots would be on the turnaround, but little did he know of, and did the world ever know, of a major surge in the Delta by people who did not get vaccinated, an even far, far unbelievable surge, and a brand new variant in Omicron just after Thanksgiving. I don't think President Biden was expecting all of that in, in the disease category. I think he was expecting, and little did we know that we thought that with the advent of the shots, that things would be much more improved. Shots did come, but we also have now had over 850,000 fatalities. But we cannot give those fatalities to Biden. We can give it to the unvaccinated. On the other aspect, the economy. I think President Biden was hoping for a much better economy. Uh, he did become money bag Joe. Although he could have given us an extra $600, he kind of shorted us early on that, in my opinion, on that stimmy check. But he delivered. We got the money. And all seemed happy at that point, but Moneybag Joe had people turn on him because inflation took off. Gas prices rose because of a lack of employees to fill those positions due to the slowdowns during the first inaugural rounds of the pandemic in 2020. So when in doubt, blame the boss, right? Well, that's what happened, and he was able to bring the prices down a little bit. But I think he was pretty frustrated and, and wasn't successful in getting everything accomplished in that department to uh, try to get the economy to be on a better footing. So with a lot of inflation, jobs are very open, but there's been a lot of inflation. And, it's been, and the gas prices have been less than desired. But again, in this situation, we just can't blame the president at this point, in my opinion. Although he is big into electric vehicles. The other point of the economy is the um, tobacco and getting the ships into the, into the ports. And so he has tried to appoint Mayor Pete, former Mayor Pete Buttigieg for South Bend, to spearhead the efforts and to try to get that logjam opened up but it has not totally opened up but it is getting slightly better so I think that he did not expect a bottleneck at the ports the other thing that also was a big tobacco was 
Afghanistan, getting everybody out. Needed to happen, but in the way that it happened, it was a sad disaster. And the Taliban just whooped in and, and jumped in on that. Yes, there was discussion between the Taliban and President Trump, but the Taliban sure took advantage of it and unfortunately set things in the reverse motion. And I think, in my opinion, it should have been handled a lot better, the departure from Afghanistan. But all the troops that pretty much needed to be out were out. I think President Biden's best speech and an open and honest speech and direct speech was the one on January 6th of this year, marking the one year since the insurrection. I think that he could have been a lot stronger on immigration and the border crossing and been a little bit more lenient to the Haitians. I think, however, though, for what it will be, I definitely expect a normal shift in the power back to the Republican Party. Hopefully, we can try to vote those Republicans that are not Trumpies, but most likely the Trumpies will be taking power in the fall. So that's my thoughts. Ron Varash's thoughts on this. He said, Sad press conference and neither he nor a reporter talked about the border at Afghanistan, North Korea, police defunding and police brutality. Fentanyl deaths over 100,000 with drug passing from the Biden open border and the devaluing of the dollar. Hunter was asked, but he dissed that off a question about the virus in China. He passed at that quote-unquote warp speed. He did, but all but told Putin about his Russian plans. Nothing ra- to rally around or that he is understanding what is going on in the States and worldwide. That is from our Ron Varesh on this one year since Biden became president. So let's see what happens. Hopefully he can get things squared away and, and if he can get pres- the Russian situation managed what a success story that'll be and that may help him moving forward into the 2022 but we'll have to see we come back we're having a return of Pastor Joel with Happy and Hold Him and wrapping things up with Paul Harvey in his song The Boxer Paul Simon teaches us something quite instructive. There's a line that says this, a man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. Greetings, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church and I want to talk to us today about a lie of the devil, a lie that so permeated our society that we've all fallen for it to varying degrees. And it comes off as very humble, but that is just a cloak over something else that is much more deadly. We've all heard the mantra of our day, believe in yourself, or how about this one? Trust your heart. And what this lie is saying is that you have value and real longings that matter. And everyone else around you also has value and real longings that matter, even if yours are different. And I totally agree. It's the reason I do these devotions. I want you to know, friend, that you have value 
and your unique longings are hugely important. But the question is, is believe in yourself, trust your heart, is that a truth from the Creator who made you and loves you? Or is it a lie from the devil who hates you and wants to destroy you? My friend, it is the latter. One of his deceptions is to get us to buy into a false truth because it makes emotional sense to us, and then to disregard anything else you might hear contrary to that. It's actually a go-to move since the Garden of Eden. In Genesis 3, he comes up to Eve and questions God's truth. And after Eve responded with what God said, he told Eve that God's truth was fake news. She would not surely die. The new and better truth is that she could be like God, knowing good and evil. And isn't there emotional appeal to something new, something we haven't experienced? His goal was to earn allegiance to himself by convincing us to have allegiance to ourselves and not to God. The devil suggested that disregarding God's truth and following her desires was affirming how God had designed her. How many of us are believing that today? Even as God's word was crystal clear in prohibiting certain things. But suddenly Eve now sees the fruit as attractive, beneficial to her person. It was good to eat, beautiful to look upon, to be desired to make her wise. And she stopped quoting God's truth to the devil because she heard what she wanted to hear. And her feelings and her desires drowned out God's warning, and she embraced the lie. And here we are, a world of people living false truths based largely on our feelings and desires. And when our source of truth comes from within, well, you realize we already know all the answers? No one can instruct us because we're ignoring the objective truth outside of us. I mean, there's people who say they believe the science until the science disagrees with rights they hold dear. There are folks who say they believe in God's word until it forbids something they desire. There are folks who say character and leadership matters. Oh, except in the case of a president they voted for who is doing what they want. And the devil laughs all the while because we've lost all our humility or perhaps better, we've simply misplaced it. G.K. Chesterton writes, Humility was largely meant as a restraint upon the arrogance and infinity of the appetite of man. What we suffer from today is humility in the wrong place. Modesty has moved from the organ of ambition. Modesty has settled upon the organ of conviction, where it was never meant to be. A man was meant to be doubtful about himself, but not doubting about the truth. That has been exactly reversed. Nowadays, the part of a man that a man does assert is exactly the part he ought not to assert himself. The part he doubts is exactly the part he ought not to doubt, the divine reason. Breaking that down, Chesterton is saying we have misplaced our humility. We ought to, in humility, distrust our feelings and desires while holding with two fists external truth outside of us. But our allegiance to self has made us so confident in ourselves, we believe in ourselves and trust our hearts to lead us rightly in our own truth. But since the sin in the garden, our hearts are actually now hardwired for the wrong things. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Friends, our hearts are not good guides. And if we live as though they are, and endorse others to do the same because we don't want them to think we don't value them or that their longings don't matter, we're actually living out a false humility 
and encouraging others to take poison. And as we all take in poison, we'll see a redefinition and the good will be forfeit. I mean, can there be good when you can't condemn anything? Where does that lead? Friends, God's word is the truth. We need to trust because people matter, as do their feelings. God made people for more than this broken world. You see, Adam and Eve had something more ahead, but they failed the test to trust God so they could enter into that something better that God had for them. See, it's not that the desires are wrong. Desires are essentially good. God giving homing beacons to glory. Eve's desire to be like God was God-given, and she would have attained greater likeness. She would have gotten that if she had passed the test, trusted God's truth. And now we live in the fallout as our hearts have been warped by sin. Our desires are disordered, and as a result, some of us have strong desires that will never be fulfilled in this life if we choose to trust in God's word and not our hearts. Yes, this is a conundrum when we find we have strong longings for things that God forbids. And this is true of each and every one of us, myself included. And God is calling us to show we trust his truth, no different than Eve. We trust in his grace to sustain us and even transform us and then bring us into glory where our longings, our true longings will be fulfilled. Our greatest havings in this life are merely wantings, as C.S. Lewis said. And the only way we can do it is to look to Jesus, to really look and see his glory the one who came in our flesh, who understands our weakness. He was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. His voice is the one you want to hear, because not only did he create us, but nobody has ever loved you more or better than your Lord Jesus Christ. Don't disregard his call for you to come and trust his heart. Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Friends, remember who you are and who you belong to. The rest of the story. Donna Salyers had it all. A loving husband, a thriving career as a newspaper columnist, absolutely everything a successful woman could want except one thing. The very symbol of feminine success, a mink coat. In the past, she had always been too shy to ask her husband Jim to buy her one. It was an expensive extravagance anyway, she had thought. But then one especially cold February day, she was driving downtown with a car radio on. She heard a commercial, an announcement that one of the big stores in Cincinnati was having a sale on fur coats. Were any of them mink coats? Donna dared wonder. And then the announcer said the magic word, mink. Luxurious, full-length mink coats were on sale. And at that, a voice deep down inside Donna affirmed, I want one of those. This was more than adornment, she told herself. It was a practical, ultimately warm garment that would stand between her and innumerable Midwestern winter chills to come. And she was a working girl. She had her own money now. She could afford to treat herself. So she decided after tending to business in town, she was going to drive to that store. She was going to give herself the gift of which she had always dreamed, a scrumptious, sumptuous, honest-to-goodness mink coat. But this is the rest of the story. The first sale advertisement was broadcast just before noon. Immediately following on that same station was the news. Donna was still driving and still listening when she heard the newsman report something new in toys. An item being made and marketed in Britain, something called mink teddy bears. Naturally, Donna listened with interest, but then with horror. 
to learn that what those so-called mink teddy bears were actually made from were the skins and pelts, the hides and fur of real live, real dead kittens. At first, Donna thought this must be some kind of a monstrous joke, but no, the newsman was serious. The story was true. Some unimaginable somebody was stealing the coats of kittens, slaughtering them, taking away what God had given them for warmth, and was selling it for money for the amusement of children. And then instantly, Donna thought of her mink coat, and how the fur she proposed to purchase had no less belonged to a real animal, an animal that would have only one coat in all of its life. And in that moment, Donna Salyers became determined that for people like herself, who appreciated the look and the feel and the warmth of fur, that for people like her, there had to be a better way. And now, there is. In the year and a half since the cold February day when Donna learned about the mink teddy bears, in those 18 months, someone has created a kinder, gentler fur. A fabricated fur unlike any heretofore, a sumptuous something that makes real fur seem fake and for a fraction of the cost from a non-animal fiber called Kanakaron. The product is so real in its look and its feel that one owner had to tear the lining out of hers to prove to a customs official that her coat was not animal fur. And the entrepreneur who, collaborating with textile experts, invented this plush, warm, durable, furless fur is Donna Salyers who was inspired in February of 1988 by a news story about kitten fur toys. A news story which she heard on her car radio during the noontime edition of Paul Harvey News. Ah. And now you know the rest of the story.